0: You need Indeed.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. Now, today we've got a certified bucket getter. (laughs) Two time Big Ten Player of the Year. National Player of the Year in 92. Fourth overall pick by the Mavs, set an NBA record or title record playing with twelve different teams in fourteen seasons in the league. Now he's one of the best basketball analysts in the game, college, NBA, whatever you want. We got. I remember you as Jimmy Jackson back in the That's day, cool. but I know, I know you had to. I know you had to become professional and go with the Jim Jackson. Now, man, so we appreciate you. <laughs> no, thanks, <laughs> for, thanks for having me, G. Thank thanks for
2: having me, bro. As long as you don't call me James, that's all right. <laughs> that's, that's when you're old. My favorite
1: thing about you, one of the first dudes when I was a little kid that I actually got to watch hoop. And just, I wasn't, I didn't know much about Ohio State back then, but watching you on the tournament. But you used to have the part, and it used to just be so pristine. pristine. And I used to try to get myself one, with, <laughs> and it, it never worked out like that. But you
2: know, who we got it from, though. It was funny because back in the day, Larry Johnson yeah. used to have one down the middle. Yeah so it was it was it was funny because our barber on campus and a lot of people to this day still come back and say man y'all had some of the dopest haircuts because we was always edged up we always but it was one barber who did us all but a lot of it too came from watching larry because i tried to get a part down my junior year uh-huh. down the middle because of larry johnson right down the middle i, my yeah, I remember
1: barber yeah. was doing it too and i tried to in like ninth grade tried to come give him come across but i kept messing it up so i had to make it wider and yeah. I, I just had to shave my joint <laughs> off so, you, you tied the NBA record with playing with 12 teams. I want to ask you, can you name all those teams in order? Of course. All right.
2: That's easy. All them checks came in that order, too. <laughs> that's that's right. What's, that's the, that. what's the order? The Mavericks. Okay. Okay, Then went to New Jersey. Okay. From there to Philly. Yep. Philly to Golden State. Yep. So, Golden State, I went to Portland. Yep. Portland went to Atlanta. Atlanta went to Cleveland. Cleveland to Miami. Miami, Sacramento. Sacramento, Houston. Houston to Phoenix. L.A. He got it. Uh, he, I mean, you know how many times I've been asked that question. Okay, yeah, but I, I mean, gotta make like, sure. That's like so clockwork.
1: Of, of, of those twelve teams, what was your favorite spot to be in?
2: I mean, it's 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 a twofold question. As you understand when you first come into league, you're excited about that first team you play because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's where you kind of get your feet wet and you learn about what the NBA is about. It, unfortunately for me, when I got to Dallas, we were we were our roster wasn't built like that back then. My, when I finally came in off my holdout, I got the longest holdout ever also to another record. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for an for the NBA. They only won seven, four games. So my first year only playing 28 games, we won seven games. The next year we only won 13. And this is, you know, at that time where, as a young player, you're, you're excited about being in the league, but then you lose losing every month. It's mm-hmm. basically two wins a month. So I enjoyed my time when I was in Dallas when we started to turn it around. But the winning, a lack of winning kind of dampers whatever you do. Because you see everybody else, your boys, they winning and they <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, playoffs yeah. and they doing stuff <laughs> and you can't do it. And unfortunately, I didn't get to the playoffs until I was 98, 99 season in Portland with Rashid and mm-hmm. Bonzi Bonzi was a rookie. But Stacey Augman or Sabonis, D, D- my that whole crew. Walt Williams. That was the first test of the playoffs. And I was emotional because it took me so long to get there. And you always say, "Gee, you know this." When you get to the playoffs, it's a whole different, a whole different game, whole different game. But you don't know mm-hmm. that, you don't know that until you get there. And that kind of got me back in it. But what I really fell in love with the game again was when I went to Sacramento, and I was a free agent. I played with C Web, with Vladdy, with Mike, mm-hmm. Bibby, Bobby, paid that crew yeah. for whatever it was, man. It made me fall in love with the game again just because of the personalities. Rick Adelman was great, the head coach, and how everybody played. We hung out together. We did stuff together. We On the road, we went to Raider games. That made me fall back in love with the game.
3: As a, as a, as a vet, super vet, now that you see the way the NBA's playing out, mm-hmm. do you, should more responsibility on teams not making it, mm-hmm. teams failing,
2: should be more on the owners? In regards to what? Like, not being that successful?
3: Yes. Not building a team, not right. understanding the players, not understanding who plays well with who. Yeah. Like, you know, because it seemed like it was more of a business back then.
2: It's, no, it still is. It's a different it's business It's a different now. business now. It, it, and it's true because, Gilbert, you notice know it goes both ways. You've been in different organizations where one operates better than the other. Mm-hmm. One The biggest part is scouting and your player development. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not in the draft every year, you got to be able to scout and get talent in, mm-hmm. and talent that you can groom. And then when you get young talent, how, you, how do you develop, develop that it. young talent? So, yes, management has a huge responsibility of that. But then also it trickles down to the players. Because right now, you came in on the, on the front end of the social media. Yeah, I'm on the front end of it. Older, though. Mm-hmm. These young men have a lot to deal with on that side of it. So are they really as serious about the game or is it more about the lifestyle and what they got or trying to achieve through playing basketball? So it's a balance between is it the management's responsibility, but also the players have to be hold themselves to a higher accountability to get, make sure their job gets done too. But uh, Okay, so
3: when I first came into the league, like, like I love Golden State, right? Like, for what reason? Cool huh for what reason? just the whole just the people everyone was everyone was nice i Uh mean it was but thinking back on it Mm -hmm. as a young player there was no grooming right Mm -hmm. you got to remember as a young player this is what i i I try to tell older guys too i said you got to understand when you're 18 19 coming into the nba you got to remember i'm in the era where it, high school kids was coming in. Yeah. You know, so my I mean, draft was the first draft of all the high school kids. So, you know, the first damn near 20 picks, everybody's 20 and under. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You got 18, like, I'm two years, and I'm, I'm 19 when I'm coming into the draft. So I'm like, well, I'm a young kid, too. What are we looking at? Yeah. Right? When we're coming into the league, and I, and I had to explain this to, you know, rest in peace, A. Poland, I said, as a 19, 20-year-old, what do you think we eat like?
1: What, what do you think we're Dumb, eating? You think yeah, we got Dumb. wives yeah, sitting yeah.
3: here picking no, we eat we McDonald's fast food. We don't know. So you have to introduce that to us. You have to put a player's lounge in here mm-hmm. so we can stay longer. You have to get chefs. You actually have to do that. Who cares what you're paying us? We don't know how to do it. Yeah. So coming in as a player, we don't know how to train. Which I'm coming here looking at you. like, Oh, he got the hat. I'm about to go to the store. Dude, I'm trying to do what the veteran does. Yep. Not knowing that the veteran has been here six, Eight Years, so he's already done his time of being great. I don't know that I'm following him as I see him Mm -hmm. So like Allen Iverson, they're following the Allen Iverson as they see Mm -hmm. Allen Iverson They're not looking at the one that crossed Jordan up. They don't get to see that one. They don't see none of that. So I Say the responsibility has to be on the ownership sometimes too because you still have to mold them if not, they're just going to fall in line. They're, like, if he works out for 30 minutes, oh, 30 minutes, that's it. Yeah, like, he's yeah. great. 30 minutes, 30 minutes. You know, yeah. <laughs> not knowing that. There's a reason he still don't have a jump shot.
2: Yeah. Well, He's not putting <laughs> in the five, six hours. Mm-hmm. He needs to. I, you know what? And I get that, too, because I was fortunate when I came into Dallas, Derrick Harper was there, hmm. Terry Davis. Was, but, but Harp really kind of set the tone, you know, as far as how to be a professional and how to play. Mm -hmm. And one thing they told me that always stuck out, I said, listen, bro, you can come in and hang out and do all that. But if you don't take care of your business on the court and practice in the game, you need to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Not that I was hanging out, but they they were setting ground Mm -hmm. rules for me on how to be a pro. Mm -hmm. The challenge now is, and it goes back to your point, is that the league is trending younger. Mm -hmm. So you don't have those established vets in a lot of these organizations that can tell these young men what it's like to be a pro. Because, like you said, they don't know. At 19 years old, (laughs) you don't have a clue, unless you grew up around some guys who've Mm -hmm. done it. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate. Oak, Harp, D-Hop, these were my guys when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. So I I got an idea of what it was like. But until I got there and had to live that life and had to make those decisions, I leaned on my old heads to kind of give me that. Mm -hmm. But to your point, okay, so, but I guess the... The the resolution is, okay, for an organization, what can they do? Because players got to be willing to listen, first Mm -hmm. of all. And if it's coming from the organization, they might not be as open to it because it's coming from them. That's why you got to keep some veterans in the locker room. And bring some veterans back. And and bring them back. Because Mm -hmm. that part of that voice of reason, like Udonis has, Mm -hmm. okay? That is perfect. When he's talking in the huddle or doing something in practice, all eyes, ears are on him because mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what he brings to the table. That's the level of respect. And when you don't have that, you got young guys, young men, trying to make decisions on things they don't know about yet. So I get your point on that. Yeah, because I've always, always had a problem with it. Like um, <laughs> like I
3: was more of a jokester, but I was serious when I used to say it.
2: Right. You know, I'm listening
3: to, <laughs> you know, the assistant coaches or player development coaches, whatever they were when I came in, the guys who just used to hang out with the players for the girls and then <laughs> <laughs> and then tell on us to the coaches. staff. Right. Right. So they'd be like, yo, hey man, you need to, you know, pass the ball, do this, and I'd just be like, yo, hey, how much did you average? <laughs> and they'd be like, seven. <laughs> I'm not
2: listening to you. Right, you know, right. and
3: then like realizing that's true. If you wasn't a superstar, how are you gonna actually tell me to be one? How how are mm-hmm. you gonna direct me in that You know, so it's like, yo, why is Scottie Pippen back? Why ain't, you know, uh, Allen Iverson back? Uh like Because you're looking at a guy who was in his 20s, right? Mm -hmm. Partying, hanging out, doing all the fun shit. Well, he's 40-something now. That's not the same guy. But now he can tell this group not to go that way. Exactly. And I think that's what they miss. Like, you're looking at the guy of what he was, not what Mm -hmm. he's become. And it's like they it's like they miss it. It's like you guys make so much money and you just miss basic. Well, but, but it's the
2: feel too, because in the world of analytics now, it's numbers driven. Mm-hmm. And which I am fine. When I played for Pat Riley, he was more, he was analytics, but it wasn't as detailed. Mm-hmm. Because he he wrote down and everything, he measured, you know, from your palm to your fingertip, the length, <laughs> your he did everything. Body yeah, fat. Yeah, yeah. Went, and, Plus, minus for the game. He was huge on that, but it wasn't as deep as it is now. So I think there's a balance between, like, analytics mm-hmm. and having the eye and feel of, what they, of how people mesh. Because one thing analytics cannot do and cannot dictate is how you and I are going to get along. Mm-hmm. Our numbers may say we do, <laughs> yep. but personality-wise, analytics can't teach you that. Nope. That's why you need somebody that's on that staff, in that organization, that has the eyes, that has the feel, that has the experience to know kind of personalities. Who personalities can fit, personalities. and that's what you're talking about yeah. with coaches too on the staff. Mm-hmm. Some coaches you listen to because you know mm-hmm. they know. Then some you just like, man, stop it. <laughs> just, I mean, I, I get what you're doing, but just stop. Just stop, man. You know what I mean? It yeah, is yeah, like yeah. that. And then that coach becomes a head coach oh, big time. Or GM, Or <laughs> then, GM, You like, what? Yeah,
3: exactly. Nobody listen to this yeah. dude right here, bro. Get him out of here. Yeah, I'm, I was not, I'm not going <laughs> to ask y'all specifics,
2: but, <laughs> but no, I, I was, But it. A prime example of a guy that got it, that worked, when I was in Miami, Eric Spolstra was ahead of the film. Mm-hmm. Okay? He did all that stuff. But he was always... Now, Eric hooped. Eric was in my... People don't know. Eric was in my draft class in 92. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. You see what I'm saying? So he hooped. He didn't make it to the league, but... His grind was different. Mm -hmm. So you trusted when he started to get into the coaching circle because of the work you saw him put in. And then he still got questioned when LeBron came, Mm -hmm. of course. But post that, there's an example of a guy that kind of came up, that grinded, players respected, and now is probably one of the top five, six coaches, X's and O's, whatever it is, you know, in the league.
1: So, how hard is it for both you guys, if you're playing with a coach who's never hooped before, to have that respect or never hooped at a high level? You said Spolster hooped when he's coming right. in. How, how difficult is it for you to, to listen to what that guy's saying, knowing, like, yo, you, you've never done this?
2: Well, it's not that. It's, here's the thing. It's for me, in situ- do you put us in a situation right. where we can be successful? Boom. Whether you've been in those, whether you can hoop or not is one thing. But do you see the game and understand the flow of the game in these individuals? to put us in a situation where we can be successful. I don't know if Rick Adelman hooped mm-hmm. at a high level, but as far as X's and O's and giving us a chance to win and to let, allow guys to, to be them, well, I had the ultimate amount of respect for him, you know, for him. Now, Phil Jackson may be a little different. I went to the end of my career. I didn't really play. I ain't really like Phil. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he hooped. He won a championship with New York. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just depends on the situation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how it is, I'm too. telling
3: you. That's Did real. he play
2: me? It, if exactly. he didn't play me, the think it was horrible. It was horrible, it was horrible, right? horrible coach. Yeah. Uh, but I love a coach. Here's the thing. I love a coach and an organization. Just be 100. One of the best things, two, two times this happened to me. Jersey, um, the year Keith Van Horn came out, uh, we had just got traded from Dallas, John Calipari was there. Me, Sam Cassell, Chris Gatling, all these guys, we were there. After the season, it was a big thing where Keith Van Horn didn't want to go to Philly. So they were going to make a trade. So they traded him to Jersey. Well, here's Calipari calling me like, yo, we got to make a trade. I'm like, okay. He said, Larry Brown wants you in Philly. We don't want to do the deal. We tried to offer up this, but we're getting the first pick. I was like, bro, I can't be mad at you. You're about to get the first pick. Mm-hmm. But at least he picked up the phone and called me and was honest. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, Pat Riley, I was a free agent that year, went, played well. After the season, he called me and said, listen, I want you to come back. You deserve a start. You played well for us. But I just drafted these two young guys, Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. Ron Butler. I got to see if they can play. You got a spot here. If you want to come back as a free agent, open door. But you should... Test the market and see where you can go. I love that because you know why? He gave it to me yeah. real, and he, he allowed me to make a decision. A lot of times, you know, G, coaches, organizations will tell you one thing, mm, dude, but nothing. then totally do the opposite. Give you, oh, give you that pump fake. Good yeah. pump, yeah. Fake, good pump good fake. Good pump one. fake. The good
1: one. <laughs> good he gave pump me fake. the good one, too. Right? Uh-oh. So i got more NBA stuff for you, but yeah. first off, I want to take it back to 1989 senior year of high school McDonald's All-American game you link up with Shaq now you said in I saw an interview you said y'all almost got booted from the game so we I want to know we did. I want to know how, how turked <laughs> up were y'all out there in Kansas City oh, as man. seniors in high school
2: Jack Shaq Shaq actually talks about that to this day because we were we went to a back then this is old school Tony Tony Tone concert mm-hmm. at Kemper Arena right yeah. met some met some girls Invited them back to the hotel, which you couldn't do. And you know, at that time, at 17, 18, 18 years old, you you, you can't be quiet, You're <laughs> yeah, yeah. noisy. You know what I mean? Giggling, laughing, yeah, just yeah. talking loud. Somebody told security. And uh, yeah, they came up to the room, the girls were in the room. We almost, we almost got kicked out of the McDonald's game because of
1: that. So, what I <laughs> want to know is how did y'all end up at the Tony, Tony, Tony concert? Because this is back in the day. You didn't really have cell phones, DMs. No, they set it up. Okay. so the McDonald's so, people oh set they, it they plugged up so we y'all can with have that. an
2: experience at Kemper Arena. Um, so, they had a suite there, I believe it was, and they put us all in there so we could go to the concert.
1: And how did you and Shaq end up? Obviously, there's a lot of guys there. How did you and Shaq, and this is like, you know, back in the days when dudes weren't really, you know, AAU-wise. You were playing in kind of your own home city, home state.
2: But you know, you know what's interesting about Shaq, though? So, Kenny Anderson was number one in our class, and I mm-hmm. was number two, right Coming out. The reason why Shaq wasn't is because in Texas at the time, he couldn't play at a five-star, a Nike camp, because there was some Texas rule where he couldn't play Mm -hmm. outside of the state and still be eligible, like in these camps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people heard about Shaq, but until we played, until like it was a game um, in Pittsburgh called Dapper Dan, that's when Shaq really blew up. He rebounded coast to coast, boom. That's when it, and then the McDonald's game was after that. Through the grapevine, people heard about him, Mm -hmm. but the national publications didn't have him because he wasn't at the Nikes, at the Five Star, stuff like that. You know, and, but that's how we connected was at the Dapper Dan game in Pittsburgh. Wait, wait,
3: wait, wait, wait. wait. He
2: didn't leave, (laughs) he didn't leave Texas. He was still in McDonald's All American? Bro. Yeah, I mean, he was so dominant. But again, like Kenny Anderson and I, we played, in the Beach Ball Classic our senior year. You know, we were at Nike camp together. We mm-hmm. were at Blue Chip. We were at Five Star. So, you know, when you were doing the write-ups, everybody saw you. You, you yeah, were yeah. on the scene a lot, mm-hmm. AAU. But Shaq wasn't, you know? But you fast forward, because <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Best one that came out, 89. Just that ruling, just a high school ruling. Think about it. Yeah, You know what I mean? A guy like that, but, I mean, but that's how we connected. So you mentioned
1: Kenny Anderson. I know y'all took the recruiting trip to Syracuse mm-hmm. together. Y'all were going to play together. If y'all would have mm-hmm. ended up
2: teaming up, is that the best college backcourt ever? I don't know. But it would have it been – I wasn't going to Syracuse. It was too cold, bro. I ain't lying we, Hey, Gil, you know we evaluate stuff on, on dumb yeah, yeah. stuff. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's just dumb. That's real. I mean, because Syracuse was – I grew up a Big East fan. Mm-hmm. Darren Coleman. So I grew up in Toledo, which is hour from Detroit. And I used to go to play in Detroit all the time. D.C., Smitty, all these guys. So when I took my visit, DC was my host. And I was like, man, it's cool. This is serious. Nothing there. It was cold. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know about this, bro. And I don't mind leaving home, mm-hmm. but Kenny and I, but the funny part is back then, you know, we ain't had cell phones. That's awesome. So Kenny calls me. I'm at the house and he says, I'm going to Georgia Tech. I was like, man, where did that come from? He never talked about <laughs> Georgia <laughs> Tech. <laughs> Never, did. Never, did. Never did. Now he says, "Mom, uh-huh. his mom, rest, peace, rest in peace." Said that because of criminals, she trusted criminals, and this is where you are going. He ain't had no choice. Mm. I said, "You know, <laughs> you know, it could have been some other kind of influence, but I don't know." But all of a sudden, it came out of nowhere, going to Georgia Tech. Going to Georgia
3: Tech. What's so funny is, uh, growing up, I, I, I wish I was left-handed. Because the move he did on Bobby Hurley, oh, behind and behind yeah, and back. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to do it like <laughs> I ain't like, trying to get the little flow with the left hand. I was like, back then, I was like, how do I do it right so I gotta slow it up? Because back then, you know, there was no internet. No. You know, so I had to do it, was all star jam. It was an all star jam, uh, DVD, uh, not DVDs, but VHS, $5, uh-huh. $5.99 at Locker. <laughs> so I used to have all of them just boom. That's how I used to work my game. Right. Snap it in. Boom! Rewind. All uh-huh. right, rewind. Write the move down. All right, okay. Boom, boom, boom. Because I remember I had I was a Tim Hardaway fan.
2: You to the crossover. Right?
3: Oh, ha- oh, what?
2: <laughs> what? Until my arms grew, and uh-huh. then, it, then it, for some
3: reason it was slower. Yeah. It was, it was just slower. Just my arms. Then when AI came out, that's my style. Because he was longer. yeah, he was, longer. was longer. <laughs> <laughs> longer. I'm gonna
2: tell you something about Kenny. Yeah. I'm, and how popular LeBron was when he came out. You can't imagine it, but Kenny Anderson from the time he was a freshman in high school, you understand, it was our time. Mm-hmm. If you would have had internet back then and kind of social media, I'm not gonna say he would have been the equivalent to LeBron, but he would have been damn near close because of what he was able to do in New York as a freshman point guard all the way through. Mm-hmm. I mean, the aura of Kenny through high school. So you had Alonzo Morney, Marcus Liberty, all these guys that were ahead of him, like they were class of 87, 88, but it was always a buzz about Kenny because he was this New York guard, lefty, you know, freshman starting. You know, if, if, they, if, if people don't realize how of a kind of a legend Kenny was and the, the mystery around him because you couldn't see him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He played with the Gauchos. You, you, only time you saw him when he went to camp in our senior year, he couldn't come to Nike because he had to go to summer school. <laughs> mm, yeah. you see what I'm saying so yeah. I mean no my, my junior year yeah. my junior year he had to go to summer school that was the Alonzo Morning, Sean Kemp Chris Jackson that Lee Mayberry that was mm-hmm. that class so he couldn't come that summer the next year he did come him and Bobby Hurley they screwed off it wasn't even a contest <laughs> it wasn't even a contest
1: so yeah. let's move it ahead to 92 you get drafted fourth overall to the Mavs mm-hmm. obviously Shaq Zoe Christian letting go before you They kind of get their deals in place. The Mavs come to you with their offer. What's your initial reaction? Obviously, they give you the the janky contract, try to get you to take the low ball deal. What's your initial reaction when, when, you know, you have this high of getting drafted, and now you see the actual deal that's in place? What's going through your head at that point?
2: I'm going to ask you over this. What was your aha NBA moment? What was your aha NBA moment? Like, I'm here, I'm in the league. When I made my layup? In your first game. I made my, my first game,
3: or, like, where they couldn't take it back, where it was like, I made it. I made my layup. It was against Cleveland. Uh Stole the ball, two points. And I'm sitting there like, yes, they can't, you can't take this back. You can't. Preseason, right. you can't take these two points back. That was my actual like, like I made two free throws in Cleveland before and then Toronto, but my first layup because right. I wanted to dunk that. Yeah, but I was like, ah, I, no, I want the <laughs> guarantee I I want, <laughs> to too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was like my moment of like, right. you know what? I'm actually here because I wasn't drafted where I was. So yep. you know, my whole draft experience wasn't the same. Like I just
2: like I can't even watch draft night because of it. Yeah, like ah, I don't like this. Well. My my aha was going through my contract negotiation in the mm. business of basketball because at that time you didn't have you don't have a rookie salary cap like you do now where well, you just slot it in. It was a market value system: first pick, second pick, third pick, and so on. So what happened was I'm the fourth pick. Christian signs, and then later on, Alfonso Ellis, who's at five, signs. So, but the Mavericks, because two drafts before was Randy White, who was supposed to be the next Carl Malone. Then Doug Smith from Detroit, out of, played in Missouri, they got drafted and didn't kind of pan out, I guess. So the Mavericks were holding that against me. We're like, well, we don't know if we want to pay a guard this amount of money. So my agent and I are talking about, you know, the options on what you have to do in order to get your contract. So, you know, as the summer goes on, you're just sitting there like, oh, they're going to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, as we get closer to training camp, they're not budget. They're trying to pay me what the eighth pick got, which I think was trail. So we, I made a decision based on all of what the information my agent was giving me that I wasn't going to take less than what the market was because short term, it affects me. Short term, it affects the next pick, next year at the fourth pick, mm-hmm. which is Jamal Mashburn. I didn't know that, but mm-hmm. the fourth pick. And long term, it hurts me if I get a contract down the line because I settle for less early. Yep. So I'm dealing with all this, but I want a hoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm stubborn, and I don't want them getting over on me. This is when I knew. I'm holding out. All this chatter about why he holding out, he greedy. Um, you should just go ahead and sign and play. I'm like, man, y'all crazy. Why, why should I hold out less because of what they did? I'm on the plane. and I'm still in Columbus working out Ohio. Donald Carter flies in, picks me up, flies me around Columbus, trying to tell me why they don't want to pay me. And my agent was like, you want me to go? I said, no, I got this. I'm good. And I said, well, you don't want to pay me, but Kenny Anderson went number two last year as a guard. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand that. And they said, well, we're willing to give you a million-dollar signing bonus right now, and you take the contract. Right? Young brother, I ain't had no money. <laughs> now, they ain't know I had Nike money and my car deal <laughs> money, so I'm sitting on something mm-hmm. that, that I'm cool with. But I sat there, and I thought about it, and I said, no, Mr. Carter, no disrespect, but I ain't never had a million dollars. So I don't know what I'm missing. But what I'm not going to do is settle for less than what my market value is. So if you don't want to pay me, that's your option. Trade the pick. If not, I'm just going to re-enter the draft next year. But I'm not going to sign for less. That was my line of demarcation right there. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like, he thinks he's going to come in here with a million dollar check because I'm young, don't know no better, and go take it and sign for less. I was like... And I had to deal with the ramifications of holding out. Okay. I, you know, no rook. Now, Doug Christie and I are tied together because Doug held out too. From Seattle, got drafted by Seattle, eventually got to the Lakers. So he signed probably in January. I was out to February. But that was my moment of, oh, this is what the NBA is, you know? And now whether that they held that against me throughout my career, Maybe. Because the only reason I got my money and they came in, and this is what I say about the Ben Simmons situation mm-hmm. and what's going on. You don't know the, back, back, the backside conversations on what's going on. We can always talk about it, mm-hmm. but we don't know. I played 28 games my rookie year. Mass paid me all my money. The question is why. It's because we were about to have a collusion lawsuit against the NBA for David Stern telling you know, these teams that you can't you don't pay these rookies these contracts. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. But nobody knew that, that this was going on. But all the chatter was, why is he holding out? Why is this? Why? I'm like, y'all don't even know what's going on in this in this circle. So finally, I signed, and they had to pay me all my money. So we had the press conference, and everybody's laughing. And, oh, we're happy to have you in. And the coaches is up there, and I'm sitting there like, man, if I ain't had his lawsuit, I'd still be in Columbia. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> but that was... People don't understand what that ordeal is like at... I was 22, but dealing with the business side of the oh, NBA. Early. Jesus early. Did it taint me? Yeah, because now I didn't trust a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I didn't trust the general man. I didn't trust the owners. Because so I knew what they said, one thing, and the backside what they really thought. You know what I mean? And that... It was, it was great for me, but it hurt me too.
1: Do you feel like the, the league and the media kind of portrayed you a certain type of way? Nowadays, we well, see yeah. player empowerment and, and everything, and that's what everybody's big on. But back then, you coming yeah. in 22 years old, how dare you not take all these millions of dollars we're offering
2: you? Do you how do you feel like that impacted you then and, and the rest of your career? It was, it was interesting because I, I love to shoot pool. Mm-hmm. So I was at a pool hall in Columbus where I'm holding out. I used to go there every night, old heads shooting, just because <laughs> I, I needed to do something yeah, outside yeah. of basketball. And I'm watching, it was TNT. Man, magic on there, somebody else. They questioning what I'm doing. They ain't got a clue what's going on. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Media. So they're sitting there trying to talk for me when they don't have an idea of what we're negotiating and why we're doing it. That's why I'm very careful when I'm on TV or or speaking not to put myself in that situation where I don't know the information or comment on something about somebody's decision-making without having the full breadth of what's going on. So they painted me as this outlier in regards to greedy. Why don't you just sign? Take care of this. You're a rookie. And I'm like, no, nah, it ain't that. All I got to do is give me my money. Mm-hmm. It's real simple. <laughs> I'm the <laughs> fourth pick. Yeah. I'm not going to take more than, I'm not asking more than Christian, but I damn sure ain't taking less than the funds mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so I got. So in my mind, <laughs> I'm like, what is the problem? What, what's the argument? So you want me. To settle for less. That's what, and that's the argument. When people always say, "Well, if it was me, man, it ain't yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ain't you? And if it was, <laughs> trust me, you wouldn't. And you would. Exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't. You trust me. You in wouldn't. the NBA, you know, whether they said it or not, that wasn't a good look for them at that time. Because sure. you didn't really have the power part of it. You know, you had holdouts. You know, you had things, but not like that. That's, mm-hmm. As a rookie. And that was, you know, that was, uh, you know, did it follow me? Probably.
1: How do you think your teammates reacted again? You're a rookie coming in. They didn't know me. But did, do you feel like when, once you walked in the locker room and played those 28 games that year, how long did it take for them to adjust to you to, and to just get to that level where they respected you?
2: It didn't take long because as you know, as a player, if you can come in, I averaged like 16 in yeah. those limited game. They had some big game, but they knew I could play. So. Once they figured it out, it was all good. Yeah, the, 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 what's so funny is, like, the locker
3: room is, that's, that's easy.
2: Yeah. You know what yep. I mean?
3: Once you start hooping, now, no matter what's going on, once the hooping gets like, yep. yo, know, we just hooping, the, the, the talent takes care of itself. Now, no and not,
2: not unless there's a personal issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and, and, I'll, and I'll piggyback this with the Ben Simmons thing going on. His issue is personal with the organization, with certain players, mm-hmm. and the city. That's harder to divorce even if he's playing well. Because there are going to be instances in the game or there are situations where he may mess up and dudes is like, I still remember when you said that BS, you know, before, or you did this. So it depends on, like for me, i never met my teammates. So they didn't have an opinion one way or another. It wasn't I didn't want to play with them, It's just I just want to get my money. So the transition was a lot easier for me to go in and even though I wasn't there the majority of the season, kind of ease my way in and and they they embraced me. Whereas if it had been contentious, like, oh, I didn't want to play at Dallas. them dudes, sorry, they need to get a whole new roster. Now, that's a whole different, (laughs) no matter if I'm hooping or not, they still like, (laughs) you call me sorry, man. (laughs) You didn't want to hoop with me.
1: So you mentioned the Ben Simmons situation. Uh From your perspective, when you look at that, how is this thing going to play out? Do the Sixers just need to trade them, cut their losses, or can they work it out? And I want to ask you the same yeah. thing. Can they figure it okay, out? So, <laughs> I, so what's
3: the funniest? I have a relationship with Ben Simmons now. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, Eldon Brand yeah. and them. So, I'm in the middle on both sides. And, you know, I'm a player. So, you know, when you want to come to the player part, I say this. I say, Ben is quiet, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Ben just wants to hoop. Ben works out every day, two, three times a day. Like, I watch him work out. Right. He can actually shoot the ball. That He has great form and everything. So uh, you sit there and say, why aren't you shooting? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, and as a player, it's like, well, you know, is it this... You know he's not saying the system, but I know it's the system. Mm-hmm. It's the system itself. You know you got to put someone in a situation to be great. So I'm sitting here like, well, how come we don't put him in? Why you don't put him in pick and rolls at the at the elbow? If everyone's gonna sag, set the pick and roll right there. People don't understand. John Stockton didn't shoot. He didn't shoot. He set the pick and roll right there at the free throw line. Everybody's like, how do you get the free throw? Because exactly. everybody's backing up. Yep. They set the little pick and roll. If he can shoot a 15 footer. Yep. If not, you hit Carmelo. So I said, there's there's Penny's place, I mean, um, there's plenty of, you know, situations where you can make him feel great. You can d- drop him, you can mm-hmm. put him at the elbow. You you can play him how he wants to be played. But when you come out, I think, let's just say it, Doc messed up when, you know, he said, I don't think he's mm-hmm. a winning guy. You got as a as a player who, like, comes in there and we play hard, we do this, and you're gonna say, you, I, you don't think you can win a championship with me, right, you, you don't think you can win a championship with me? All right, cool. Right. So, all right, I'm just gonna train and y'all gonna trade me. And y'all do all this, and you don't trade me. Like when I come back into this locker room, how, how, how this gonna work? Yeah. Because you know I'm I'm you know speaking to you know like how y'all what do y'all expect when Ben comes here? Like he just y'all just gonna get there? Like, oh yeah, you know what? But you said never mind. <laughs> what's right, happening? Right, right, <laughs> like, y'all think that's really gonna happen to, to him? That's like going back to jail. Like that's, that's like going back uh. to jail. Like the city don't want him. The city's already against him. The players looking at him sideways. So what do you? Think is gonna actually have? what is the benefit that he's gonna average 20, 10, and 10 and y'all gonna get some trade? Uh, cause I'm sure if he's averaging 20, 10 and 10, you're not gonna wanna trade him at that mm-hmm. point. It's like at this point, you have to trade him. Right? You have to trade him. It's you're only gonna get 50% because everybody knows you gotta trade them. Yep. So it's like, what you know, so what is the benefit of him like when he goes, when he's actually going back? What is what do you yeah. get out of
2: it? Yeah, and it, it's 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 a tough situation because from the business perspective, Maury has to get what he can for Ben. You can't allow that prize possession to get away from you without getting some kind of value. You're not gonna get equal value. You're, unless you're you get Dane Little. Okay, unless you get that. But but even even but I, I evaluate it like this.
3: I was always taught when you look at game, look at positions, right? Right. So I have a six-ten player that can play nine positions. Meaning he can play all five on defense, four on offense, point mm-hmm. three, four, five. I don't know if I want to trade him just for a straight up guard.
2: Right.
3: You know what I mean? And that's how I was like, like I, I have a nine position player, which mm-hmm. is rare. How am I like, yeah, I might get a better score, but I lose everything else.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I lose everything else. And I don't know if that's a real value but, of work. But
2: but on on you gotta think about it too, from a perception perspective and what they can get. Mm-hmm. It's a win. Yes. Rather than having a trade for and this is not anything on CJ. CJ is some draft picks that you know right there. <laughs> no, sir. And how good CJ is. That's but a, but a standalone, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So from the organization perspective, they still got time until February to the trade deadline to figure this thing out. From Ben's perspective, I just don't under I did listen. Rich Paul, I know he laid the groundwork and underst- so Ben can understand what you gain and what you lose by mm-hmm. doing that. Once you take that stance and you, you know, draw the you know, line in the sand, that's it, okay? Going back in, I, I'm trying, and again, I don't know the conversations. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on, on, why he chose. And I've heard the Sixers thought that he would be coming back to the facility later this week. He came back early. What the mindset is, because no matter what, at the end of the day, it's always been some contention in the locker room between Joel and Ben mm-hmm. from day one. It's always been there, because the styles kind of clash. clash. So they've been dealing with this for quite some time. This is not a new thing. It's just now that it's expanded a lot more because of what happened last year in the playoffs. How they coordinate that locker room is important because in the East right now, bro, the, the Charlottes, the Chicagos, those, Indiana, those are not easy wins now. Mm-hmm. So you can't start off bad if you're Philly if you want to be in the top six so you avoid the playoffs. So, you, you know, now the pressure is on. If, if they start to win without Ben, it's really not that much pressure. Mm-hmm. But if they start to lose without him <laughs> and start yes. to f- fall further down the ladder of the Eastern Conference, yep. it's more pressure on them, on them to make a deal. So we got to see how this thing well, is going to play out. What's so funny
3: is, <laughs> as a player, you know that was my conversation. Right. You know, you know players are going always kind of hint like, well, what would you do, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, like, listen, I don't know what i do because I'm not in your situation. Exactly. You know what I mean. All I can say is this: If we're playing chess, you don't really have to move your piece right now. You know, it's not—it's not necessarily your move; it's theirs, because their first five games they should go at least four and one. Mm-hmm. Their, their toughest matchup is, you know, uh, the Nets. If they don't go four and one, I mean, they look bad. You know, not necessarily you. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to, like, if they win without you, it's going oh, we don't need Ben, blah, exactly. blah, blah. If they lose, it becomes, oh, we need to get something for them now. So it's basically whoever's willing to hold out. But at the end of the day, do you really want to just let them take your money for no reason?
2: See, and, and, well, he, he, <laughs> and, and that's he, what they're playing and, on. And, exactly. And here is the, the dilemma Are you willing for what you stand on to sacrifice not getting paid? At the end of the day, forget everything else. You can say all of what your beliefs are, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. End of the day, it's going to come down to are you willing not to get paid? Just stand on what, you, what your principles are. Like, and I go back to it. A lot, it sounds great before it happens. Mm-hmm. But that 8.3 that he was supposed to get, he ain't getting it. The money that he's going to get per game right now for missing out, he's not getting it. So how long are you willing to deal with that and how comfortable you are, even though you got money in the bank, Mm -hmm. but that's money you're not getting and you're not getting it back. And that's the dilemma that until you actually go through it and are in that situation and have to make that decision. Now, it comes back to this too. If Ben comes back, kind of like Kyrie, the narrative is, oh, you came back for the money. Mm -hmm. Wiggins, well, you know, you, yeah, it, I, I heard what you said, bro, yeah, yeah. but you ain't want to lose that seventeen million either.
3: Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I mean,
1: listen, $17 mil. You what I'm saying me? is
3: playing, playing, playing in a place that you don't want to play. I don't see no benefit because there's his value's not going to go up. There's no, there's no nobody's going to be like you know what. I'm seeing Ben Simmons today and he's looking great. Let me give you the house. No, they're gonna, you're going to get pennies on the dollar. You're going to get fifty percent at best mm-hmm. for him. So, there's no play that he's going to be able to, he's going to be doing that you're going to, his value's going to go up. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, it's, do you go
2: there, pick your check up,
3: calf injury, ankle injury. You, you can't play, I'm hurt. I mean, you, can't you can't fight Okay,
2: him? but would you, okay, and again, <laughs> here's, here's <laughs> I'm the hurt. Now, but Ben is a different cat in regards to mentality, okay, and how public perception may affect him. You a different dude, I'm a different dude. It's a different way we may approach it. Like, hey, bro, I've been in a situation where I lost money. And I didn't care. Because my principle, to me, was more important. You know, I was like, I was going from Houston to New Orleans. And I was like, man, I ain't going. Mm. Like, what do you mean you're not going? I said, no, I ain't going to New Orleans. <laughs> I ain't had no leverage. Uh, yeah, yeah. I ain't <laughs> had no leverage at all. And Jeff, Vick, I'm on the phone. They're like, you, you mean? I said, bro, Byron Scott, the GM, called me. Happy to have you in New Orleans. I said, no, you're not. I said, I'm not coming. They said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Listen, bro, I'm 33. I'm not about to start all over. Uh-huh. I-, I don't want to do that." Well, we go find you. I was like, "All right, I'm all right, but I'm <laughs> not coming." Uh-huh. So they find me uh-huh. until I got to Phoenix. But uh-huh. my experience is who I am. I'm willing to deal with that. Uh-huh. Ben may not be able to deal with that mentally, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you,
3: gotta, you don't have to get fined. If, I mean, oh, well, be-
2: he's not gonna get paid if he don't play. No, he, he hurt. You got to remember, You gotta remember. once you get hurt, they can't Ooh, do nothing. All right. that is out of the window. Right. That's what I
3: said. You go in on there one practice. Lower ah, back. Yeah, lower back. Lower back always yeah, get it. You can't in this they can't, back. They can't <laughs> check that. They can't check that. You no, know, but that's what I said. But there's no, there, there was no win when I, when I tried to break it all down, and uh, I'm sitting here like, yeah, Philly fans, there's no
2: win. No win. Even if he plays well, if he play, it's going to be a game or two where he doesn't, he doesn't. and it's going to revert right <laughs> back to... Or we exactly. he yeah, yeah, so we it's hit. always going to be this teeter-totter of emotion yep. with Ben while he's there. Playing well, if he doesn't play well, it's always going to be this.
1: Especially in Philly, you know they're not having it. Oh, what? You, know, you already know that. not having it. So you mentioned Kyrie before. Obviously, big news this week. Mm-hmm. The Nets have suspended him from, from play and team activities till he's fully able to participate. I'm talking about another guy. Obviously, Wiggins was in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was on pace to pass with like 16 mil, ended up getting the shot. When you look at Kyrie's situation, do you, do you think he's making the right decision? How do you think that plays out in Brooklyn?
2: <sighs>
3: um, what was that, G? What, what? <laughs> Look, you know, it's it's so hard to like uh-huh. to jump in, you know, the situation because it's so far and so left when it comes vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is gonna be always this. If I went through the bubble, right, unvaccinated. I went through all of last year, unvaccinated, and now you're telling me I need to, to take the vaccine now to protect myself. It was like, well, the, the first two times, y'all didn't, y'all didn't give a shit. And I'm fine, so what do you, like, how am I being convinced now? Like, why is there an urgency now when it wasn't before?
1: Well, there was no vaccine before, though.
3: And nothing happened to any of the players.
2: but but, you know it's two different situations it's it's, two different situations I I would go with your argument if it was a league mandate Mm -hmm. but since it's a city rule Mm -hmm. New York City rule San Francisco rule that workers who work in that city have to have it that's a that's a kind of a different different mm -hmm. dynamic you know with where Kyrie is at now knowing all of that Kyrie still chooses to say I'm not gonna give back which is I'm fine listen bro for if you have your reasons on why you don't want to be vaccinated, whether I agree with it or not, you grow grown man. Mm-hmm. Okay? Fine. But there are consequences that come with that, unfortunately, that you're going to have to deal with, which is not being paid. So it's two dynamics here. Kyrie's decision on what he wants to do, and, the or- and it goes back to the organization. The organization can't wait. They- Sean Mark's job is to do what's best for the organization in reasonable terms. Allowing Kyrie to be who he is you can't force him to do anything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I got 14 other guys that I have to adhere to to give them the best opportunity to win. And one guy, unless it's LeBron, mm-hmm. can't out-trump this <laughs> yeah, LeBron. It's a whole different conversation. You, you
3: think this is a conversation if it was KD?
2: Yeah. You think, do you think
3: they'd be doing the same thing if this was actually Kevin Durant?
2: No. I think no. it'd be a different conversation. Mm-hmm. See, Kyrie's history also plays into this. you got to keep in mind, last year, sitting out, personal issues, different things like that. It's not just one instant with Kyrie. Mm -hmm. The history of this young man causes people to pause a little bit more and maybe have some trepidation on making these decisions compared to a KD or a Harden who may take the same stance, Mm -hmm. but their past history doesn't dictate that they're going to take off. So you deal with them a little bit differently. But with Kyrie, because of that, they're looking at this, okay, how much more are we going to take from an organization? And that doesn't mean he's right, they're right, he's wrong. No. Kyrie has his stance, whether I believe in it or not. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. He has to deal with the ramifications of his decision. And if the organization says, because of the state rule, we don't want you half the time, it has a bigger impact short-term, long-term on our organization, then we can't have it. So, with, with, with that ruling, because
3: they're deciding that this, they don't want him for the 50%. Right. Right? Don't
2: they still have to pay him though? No. Why? Because what, they, what they're what they doing is, because the ruling is, they're not gonna pay him for his home games. Yes. They're gonna pay him for his away games.
3: Okay, so he gets paid for the away games. Even he he though because, they don't want him.
2: It's, it's their decision, okay. so they're not, because he didn't hear and, and they're real specific, because he didn't adhere to the mandatory mandate of taking a shot to mm-hmm. play at home, we can fine him. Uh-huh. He'll still get paid if he plays on the road. So that's why they can't, and they're not taking that away. But, but they just said he's not allowed to play on the road, right? Right, but they're not going they they him. him. But they're going to pay oh, him. Oh, yeah. That. I mean, then, then that right, see, that's
3: the problem. Right there, they lose. Who is they? The organization. How? Ah. Because you're paying, like he already made his decision that he wasn't playing at home when he didn't want to take the vaccine.
2: Now but, he gets to but, sit. But 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 here's the here's the difference though. They're not gonna. He made his decision. He didn't want to play at home. He didn't say he didn't want to play. Yeah, he didn't say. He okay, wanted. so now no, we're not taking half. Either you go play or you're not. Okay, but would but you not take
1: half though you, if you think that that's going to give no, you the best chance no, to no, win the no, championship?
3: No, no. But look, but think about it from a player standpoint. Uh-huh. I know I wasn't going to play home games. Right, but you knew. But when I was gonna go play, play. I was gonna play road games. But you, now you're saying, well, we're not. We don't want you on the road either. Right. But we're still gonna give you your check.
2: Yeah. But you. But but you're still losing out as a player because you still want to hoop. You still. Yeah. But but do you still, y- yeah. oh <laughs> still want to hoop? No, no. Yeah. I get your point about uh-huh. getting paid, but it goes beyond that in this aspect. You're a hooper. hmm Your your passion is to play. Yeah. You are gonna get paid, but wouldn't you rather be playing too? Yeah, but.
3: But you got to think about it, it's still chess. So who falters first? It won't be the organization.
2: It has to be how because you're not going to win a championship with just two. You don't know that. Oh, Katie hold, and Horton hold, can't hold, wait, win a chip. Hold up. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. Keep in mind, Phoenix doesn't get to where they got to if you don't have injuries with the Clippers mm-hmm. and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. Stuff happens in the Eastern Conference S- with Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee may not get there, so we don't know how the story ends at the end of the season. Because of these factors, okay. Now, mm-hmm. one of the best I think rosters put together is Brooklyn mm-hmm. with the pieces they surrounded the superstars with. Mm-hmm. Now, with Kyrie, without Kyrie, is it gonna be more of a challenge? Yeah. It's a, but mm-hmm. come June or playoffs, we don't know who's healthy. What if Brooklyn? What if Brooklyn is the healthiest team? Lakers have their issues. Milwaukee have their issues. They're Man. sitting there number. So we don't know yet. That's what I'm saying. But do you take that? I don't want to see.
3: I, I don't know if I take that risk because you got to remember Kyrie. He alters the game because he's a he's a juggernaut one-on-one player. So when you're in half-court situations, you can rely on him to get better shots
2: than James Harden. Okay. How about this? Last year, out of I think 3,900 minutes plus minutes they played 202 minutes and still got together as a threesome. Mm-hmm and still got to the Eastern Conference Final.
3: Oh, no, they was nice. It was okay,
2: nice. so look at the history. Yeah. 202 minutes. Mm-hmm. Their depth in rebounding wasn't as good as it is now. now. Mm-hmm. But yet and still, they were there to compete and beat Milwaukee to get to the final. So you don't think management is looking at this and said, who's the most expendable player out of these three? Uh, okay, so history tells us that if we have these two here, along with the built-out roster, we still have a viable chance to get to the final. Now, whether we win it, we don't know. But can we get there in the Eastern Conference with a James Harden and a Kevin Durant in this retooled roster? If I'm the management, I say yes. Do you, as an
3: as organization, this is why I always, like, titter when uh-huh. it comes to organizations in the NBA. Organization, like, as the owner... You're my player, right? Mm -hmm. And I have to make sure that I trade softly with you. Because I don't, you know, just like us, one little thing kind of just has us going, we want to be traded. Right. Well, the fact that KD and Kyrie are this. Mm -hmm. And when I say this, you got to remember, if you look at the history, when one has a problem, the other one has a
2: problem.
3: When one doesn't want to talk to the media, the other one doesn't want to talk to the media. So if you if you piss off one, you kind of piss off the other one too. So I heard Stephen A. Smith talking about, yeah, trade them. Hold on, slow down, slow down, slow down, because that trade might irritate the other one also. So you really have to sit down and try to figure out, hey KD, what's up? Harden, what's up? Kyrie, what's up? Because as, as the guy who's sitting here paying these checks, I, I don't want to sit here and say, all right, we can get rid of him. And y'all be like, well, we're going with him. And I'm like, oh, never mind. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where they have to really, it ain't as easy as they want it to be.
2: But, but as an organization, it's one player in the league, I would say, that ultimately trumps all that. LeBron. Mm-hmm. All that other stuff. Now, the Lakers still made decisions on what they wanted to do the league itself still made decisions despite the powerful nature of LeBron James. Mm -hmm. Remember this. The game must be played. NBA didn't want to go to a bubble. Players were against it. Guess Mm -hmm. what happened? They went to the bubble. Mm -hmm. The players didn't want the season to start at a certain time. Guess what happened? Season Season started started when the NBA wanted it Mm to. One more example. It was an agreement that it wasn't going to be an All-Star game. Despite the loud voices (laughs) and the guys... You know, in dissension, (laughs) LeBron, one of them, guess what happened? It was awesome. So these hard decisions have to be made despite having somebody pissed off Mm -hmm. because we can't stop the train from running. Now, I understand the player side and I understand the business side. If I'm Brooklyn, I'm very confident right here that these two players with this retooled lineup, and if Kyrie at some point wants to come back and take his vaccine, better form. You welcome back open arms because it wasn't contentious. Like, I don't want to play here. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play for the organization. I don't want to play with these players. It wasn't that. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier to re-enter the locker room, the brotherhood. But I'm not going to stop that train. Kyrie, you got to make a decision, bro. If you don't want to play, you don't want to get vaccinated, I'm not going to make you. But I don't want you half time. I don't want you half the time because now it's a chemistry issue. We got stuff going on. What if, you know, Patty Mills is playing great? We go on the road and Patty Mills can't really play. We lose the game. Kyrie didn't play well. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back home. Patty Mills is playing great. And I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know how it is. Yeah. You got that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, and quiet is kept. They may, that might be one of the best offseason pickups now. Yes, it was. It was nice. It, it seemed at the time it was like it's great, it's cool, backup for Kyrie. But now that move right there gives them that other ball handler, decision maker. That they didn't really have last year when Harden was out and Kyrie was out. Mm-hmm.
1: Feels like they knew something.
2: But but, that, <laughs> oh, like but, something but that's coming. why I said I'm confident if I'm Sean Marks in the organization that I, I healthy I can I think I can get to the Eastern Conference Final. I think I can get there mm-hmm. with these two. That's what I'm saying. It's just it's like it's just it's
3: just it's just it's just it's just like because I I had a really great relationship with you know uh, a Polin rest in right. peace mm-hmm. um, that. If I was in Kyrie's situation,
2: mm-hmm.
3: we would have been sitting down talking, me and him, everybody else. And I would have gave my reasons why. He would tell me why I should. I would have asked a simple question. Do you, are you vaccinated? Is your family vaccinated? Like, what should we do? Who's the doctor that gave you the vaccination? Right. Like, I, like that, those would have been the stuff. Like, you know, I know you, you as a black man, you kind of scared about the, Let's go. We're going to speak. Like, he would have went with me. We would have talked. We would have did it as a group. It wouldn't have been no isolation in the paper, and not, it would have just been me and him, right, talking and trying to figure this shit out together. If he didn't get vaccinated, if, if, if you want me to get it, you are gonna have to get it too. We are gonna both sit there, same time, same time, right. you know. But that was the kind of relationship but, but, but
2: see, I had, and that's but that's the difference because Gilbert. Even when you came over, your reputation preceded you when you came to Washington. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that conversation and that relationship you had with Abe was pure. Kyrie doesn't have that. See, because his reputation of wanting to leave Cleveland because he wanted his own team, whether it's true or not. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Boston. What happened in Boston? You yeah. know, Wasn't at the playoff game on the bench. He wasn't here. The team played better. Ended up wanting to leave there. Now you're over here. So that follows. So he doesn't have that relationship with management mm-hmm. and ownership like you. To have that broad-based, intimate conversation with like, no, bro, what's, this is what's really mm-hmm. happening. This is how we can resolve this. You could do that. He can't. So if he's on the outside looking in, outside. and it's a, it's a soft relationship, mm-hmm. they respect each other, but it's soft, what do you think the organization going to do? If he's the third wheel, and not in a bad way, but Harden and Durant are the two most important, and the third one is here, mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. It ain't rocket science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really ain't. The last
1: thing I want to hit you on, obviously you have in the college basketball space. You know, we, we've seen the emergence of overtime elite, the G League night, mm-hmm. and just traditional college hoops. What do you see as the future of college
2: basketball? Bro, it is, it's going to be interesting to see what the NCAA, see, at one point scholarship for play matched back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. 50s, 60s. Once TV money came in, the value of the scholarship compared to the cost and what the revenues were, started to go like this. Revenues, value to scholarship. See, players, it wasn't the inflation part of players and their money they were getting didn't rise with the same amount of, of inflation that the universities made money at. So it was always this outlier here where the university making all this money and the players' um, scholarship money stayed here. Mm-hmm. So you, you started to create this cavity of dissentment with players, and we why are they making all this money we ain't? And now we got to the boiling point now where we're at, where the, you know, name, image, and likeness has come out. That throws a whole total wrench in recruiting, but the G League playing overseas throws a wrench in recruiting, because guys say, I want to get closer and understand how, what it means to be a pro for a year. Mm-hmm. I can still get an endorsement deal, but go play for the G League over here or do this. And it, I guess it depends too, because here's a prime example. College does benefit you in some aspect, because when Zion came out, it was RJ. Baird that was considered to be the number one pick. Mm-hmm. But because Zion went to Duke, was on national TV all the time, guess what happened? His following grew. You were enamored with what he did. He ended up becoming a higher draft pick in this. Twitter blew up and all these endorsements. So college worked for Zion in that aspect. Mm -hmm. If he was playing in the G League, he wasn't going to be on national TV. People weren't going to be talking about him like that. So you kind of got to have to piggyback that a little bit. But I think college is in in trouble from this standpoint is that there are other options outside of just going to school to get to where guys want to get to. And the problem is a lot lot of those top players, the names, are the ones – and the collective bargaining agreement coming back up may reinstitute guys coming out of oh, high, high school. school. So all that impacts kind of where the traditional college um, business operation is gonna go. It's not gonna look the same because you got too many outlets for these young men to take choices of what they wanna do with their future and it may not include college.
3: When, uh, see I don't remember college when I came in.
2: <clears throat> How was college
3: basketball when all the high school kids came in that well,
2: 2000 that 2000 you got to go, gotta go before that <clears throat> KG
3: but that's one player
2: well Sean Kemp came before that
3: oh yeah
2: yeah okay then so, KG Kobe so
3: how many Al guys, Harrington yeah that's what I said but you got sprinkles yeah one,
2: but, it, but it, like I'm saying it was guys who put their name I mean, in that didn't really get that didn't pan out it was more than one it was a couple yeah, guys. Yeah, you're that, right, you're right, you're you right. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That got it because there was a couple local from, from ex- my area. That exactly. Came in. I'm like, Nigga, no, you I remember, Tyson Chandler <laughs> came in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, what did what's gonna he played. Yeah, with? That, that was a, Eddie Curry. Yeah, Eddie. So that was my class. That Eddie, was Curry, your class.
3: There, Eddie Curry, Eddie uh, Curry, Tyson, Kwame Brown, Kwame Brown, Jop Diop. All of that, that. Yeah. See, that was my class. So, how many guys? Like, if they re-enter, you know, out of high school, they let they open it back up. How many kids do you think is gonna be able to? There's usually only about.
2: Three to... Three. F- but you understand... Well, the game is so different it's now. So different now. It's so different now. And people get it confused. It's not a college rule. It's a pro rule. Pro rule. And a lot of that was put in place, just like the rookie salary scale, was to protect veterans mm-hmm. in jobs. Because you didn't want young guys taking positions away from veteran mm-hmm. players. So this is an NBA rule, mm-hmm. which I think will switch. But like you said, it's just like you, you change the narrative for a small percentage percentage. of guys is really going to be able to benefit from. Now, today's world, because it's younger, guys want to get to their second contract a lot faster. Um, The way they evaluate talent is, if you're a four-year senior, you're about peaked out. Mm -hmm. But if you're a first-year player, you got more room for improvement. So, guys coming out of high school, if that comes back around, definitely going to impact college basketball gear. See, because I tell, when parents
3: talk about holdbacks, I I, I tell them, I say, listen, hold on. Hold back is exactly what it is. Holding back. It's holding back your talent also because Mm -hmm. if you were an 8th grader and you are getting ready to go to ninth, remember ninth, you're playing against 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, I mean, 10th, 11th, 12th 12th graders, Mm -hmm. right? So you're battle testing. 8th grade and you hold back, you're playing against the 7th grade that came up. So, at that age, wherever you were, 14, if I say which 14-year-old would be a better 14-year-old, the kid who went to ninth grade. He would be a better 14-year-old than this eighth-grade kid. You got to move that all the way up. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is when this 19, 20-year-old kid faces the 20-year-old kid who's been in the NBA for two years, it's, it's shell-shocking. Yeah. Right? You, he loses hope. He really does. Like, I'm trying to figure out. I found one. I'm trying to figure out how many holdbacks actually became right. all-stars. You
2: know, that's a good one, too. How many? No, you know, I have never thought about it from that. That's a good point. It's, that's a great point. Because you got to remember, it's like,
3: like Luca. Luca's 21? Yeah. Right? When he maybe came 20, in at 18. Maybe
1: 22, but 18,
3: yeah. right? 18 as an NBA player. You got to remember, he is the megalodon of 18-year-olds. Yeah. Everybody else is, the holdbacks is juniors. So when this junior faces this year, whoever was a holdback, you're gonna face Luca this year as a rookie going up against him. You're so far behind right. that talent. You can never, you can never catch up. It's like you remember when you're when we were younger, we're playing against older.
2: older time. That's how yep. we're learning That's how, how to, to, play. Learn to play.
3: Today, they wanna play against younger.
2: Just so they can get the ranking. <laughs> so they can get, the, they rank get the
3: ranking. And I'm like, that ranking, that ranking kills you because when it all settles, mm-hmm. when it all comes back around, you're the guy is so far behind his age. Age is the grade is whatever. The age is more important because if you come in raw talent at 18, 19, you have better, you have mm-hmm. a better chance versus being 22 and you have to be a proven skilled at that point you got to come in averaging 16 to 22 as a rookie. At 18, I don't got to do nothing. <laughs> Two, three points, lady, uh-huh, hey, how you yeah. doing? I still got three more it's years. Three more years, yeah. <laughs> and that's how they look at it. I get to learn. And that's yeah. what I learned playing in the NBA and understanding. Like, Remember I talked to Michael Carter Williams. Uh-huh. And he's like, man, no one spoke about it, but it happened. He said, you know, I went rookie of the year. I'm an older rookie. Going into my second year, they tell me, we're gonna move in a different direction. We want to go a little bit younger.
2: I'm was like, oh. i still young. I'm, <laughs> I'm
3: still young. But said 22, 23. To them, yeah. 18 is young. Now, who cares? You're a second-year player. We want to go younger. Right. Because from your age, you're not where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You won Rookie of the Year, but uh, your age group, they averaging. They, aver- yeah, they they're, they're averaging as, 30 yeah. already. You know what I mean? So you know that's one thing that it's like. Maybe if they open up high school basketball, parents were like, "Oh, I need to get them get them out faster."
1: Yeah, who knows? They probably need more. Like you mentioned Luca before, and even the, the Euro thing. He's 15, 16, playing against pros. Academy. But same thing with um, Same thing with um, Kobe. Kobe's thirteen. Like,
3: the, listen, you play up, so you can get battle tested early. You learn. I need I, this move. Don't work. This mm-hmm. don't work. This don't. So you learn how to play basketball versus just doing the same in and out against a, you know, somebody that was lower grade.
1: Well Jim, we appreciate you coming oh, through. Anytime, man. I love so it. Another episode of No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. We'll be back more soon. Don't meet us there, beat us <laughs> <laughs> there. You've like been working that.
0: on that one, huh? I like <laughs> the that. <laughs>